Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, and dolphins everywhere wondering if their noses really do look like bottles. It's Thursday at 3 o'clock, and you know what that means. Live from the Michigan State University campus, it's Tea with BVP. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Bill Van Patten, a.k.a. BVP, international superstar and diva of SLA. And speaking of dolphins, with me in the studio are my own personal flippers, Angelica Kramer and Walter Hopkins. Come on, say say hey, kids, just like a dolphin. That's a, that's a dog. I don't know what that was. That's a goat. <laughs> that's a goat. <laughs> what sound do dolphins make? I don't know. I can't do it. <laughs> that just sounds like a goat. I can't do it now. I used I to be able goats. to do a dolphin. When I was, when I, cause I used to be a swimmer, I'd get in the water and pretend I was like a dolphin and make the dolphin noises. But I, I, now that I'm an older person, I lost my dolphinness. <laughs> I lost my. I'm no longer a dolphin. I'm a. Wow, what a start! <laughs> Hi, everybody. It's great to be here with you today. Hello, everybody. On I don't know what it means to be a flipper. Thursday. We're his flippers. What does that even mean? I slap each one on each foot, and there I'm going in the water, <laughs> fifty miles an hour. <laughs> wow. Walter on my left foot, and Angelica on my right foot. <laughs> they call him oh, Flipper. Goodness. Flipper. <laughs> Wow. He's I don't know what he's on today. today. I know. That's because everybody in the audience <laughs> listening to us, we're all back in the studio again, together again, just like Yay. that Janet Jackson song. Oh, yeah. We'll Let's be together, together again. again. Oh, that's not Janet Jackson. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you, though, you know, I was making a joke about, about dolphins, but I have always had this dream, this desire on my bucket list to swim with dolphins. Hmm. You know, to get in a, a yeah. school of dolphins or, yeah. a, no, are, there, are they a pod? What are dolphins? Are they like whales? Are they a pod of dolphins? I, I think they're a school. Or they're a school. It sounds I don't know better they if they're a school. They're a group of dolphins. I, w- I want to get in a side of a bunch of dolphins and swim with them. I actually mm-hmm. petted a dolphin once mm-hmm. at one of those uh, SeaWorld type things or mm-hmm. whatever it's called. You know, they got those little petting ponds. You can put your hands in the water and pet the dolphin. They come up and, and they get little sardines out of your hand and stuff. But I want to just jump in the water. But you know why I have not done it yet? Why? I... <laughs> You have to get in the ocean. <laughs> and ever since I saw Jaws. Oh, my oh God. My come goodness. on. I have said, no, nope, oh, no way. On. No, it's true. I, the movies have a profound effect on me. Ever since I saw Jaws, I do not go in the ocean anymore. In fact, this is the reason. Ever since so you I haven't saw, been in the ocean since the early 80s? What is this? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Are I'm you not, kidding me? I am not kidding. Toes, t- little bitty toes in the water, and that's it. L- lapping up my toes, lapping up my feet. But, and uh, No, I mean, movies affect me. This is, the, you know, ever since I saw Psycho, I refused to shower by myself. <laughs> it's true. I, I did not want to know that. I just, I can't stand a shower by myself. It just scares the heck out of me. Do take, dare, dare I ask what you do? I mean, <laughs> yes, I Murphy, don't even... the dog goes on. Is that how it goes? Oh, I have a my personal, goodness. I have a personal shower assistant. <laughs> Comes every day at 10 a.m. <laughs> knock, 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 knock. I'm here to help you with your shower. Step right in. Okay, that's just creepy. Wow. <laughs> that's all I can say. Brings his own <laughs> brings his own loofah sponge. I'm just kidding. No. No, honestly, no, honestly. But ever since Jaws, ever since Jaws, ever since Jaws, I have had this fear. First, I was on a train in Europe and I read Jaws on the train and I could not put it down. And then the movie came out. We finally saw the movie and I just went, no way am I getting the water. And then what was that other movie that came out? Um, Open Water about those divers, mm, that yeah. husband and wife who got stranded in the water. The boat left them there by accident. And then, I, then that just confronts I'm never going scuba diving. <laughs> I'm not doing any of those things. So anyway, 
So I have an announcement to make. Announcement, announcement, I'm make an announcement. announcement. I'm, gonna, I'm so excited about this. Walter knows this. Walter, where? what does AATSP stand for, Walter? It stands for the American Association of Teachers of Spanish and Portuguese. And what time of the year do they have their annual meeting? Well, usually it's in July, but this coming year it's going to be in June. At the end of June, mm. correct. So June, end of June 2018, the AATSP is having its annual meeting in the wonderful city of Salamanca, Spain. Yay! Wow. Because we are celebrating, this is a continuation uh, and the, the wrap-up of our 100th anniversary of the organization. Oh, cool. And so I told everybody back in, in the home office that I would announce this on the air because we have a, quite a few Spanish teachers who listen to us and Spanish professors. So I want to encourage everybody to go to Salamanca for AATSP. It's going to be great. If you have not submitted a proposal, go ahead and do so. You can go to aatsp.org and submit something. If you're not a member, it's easy to join up real quick and submit something. We welcome everybody. We take proposals everything from the teaching of X in the elementary classroom to the teaching of literature in the undergraduate major. We, we, there's no part of, of dealing with Spanish and Portuguese that we don't, we don't handle. So um, don't worry about what your topic is. We want to see lots and lots of proposals come in. And we want to see as many teachers and professors of Spanish and Portuguese in Salamanca as possible. So Walter and I are going to be there. Did you know that, Angelica? That's wonderful. Yeah, we're going to be there. One way or another, we're going to be there. So I'm going to be there. Because I have to be there. I'm the, actually the president-elect, so I'll be president this next year during. Cool. Oh, I'm going to give the presidential address. I just that's worth, I don't think I'm going after all. Our <laughs> listeners, I tell our listeners, that's worth going to. I'm going to be giving the address this year. Um, I'm going to be talking about Walter for half an hour. I'm just oh, that's exciting. This will be a title of my presidential address, Life with Walter. <laughs> <laughs> AKA, I definitely won't be attending that. AKA, why my Prozac subscription runs for 100 years. I'm just kidding, Walter. Oh, boy. Am I that challenging? Come on now. No, Speaking you're of not. challenging, you're guess what I'm going to announce now? Uh, rem- a challenge. Remember that during the show, there is the SLA challenge question. I will give the question in a few minutes. And the first person to get to the phone with the correct answer wins a prize. So keep your cell phones close by, everybody. You know what we always say. Keep them close, close by. What Don't if they want to from- use their home phone? They sit by their home phone. I want them running across the room. Okay. All you right. know, you've seen those movies where people fall over. And next thing you know, they're in the cast just because they want a chance to win my fabulous mm. while we're on the topic book. Mm-hmm. So... Wow. We don't I want you breaking the that in the movies, I guess. So, <laughs> that's right up there with Jaws. Oh, I ran for a Bill Van Patten book. That went my leg. Okay. So anyway, so we'll be giving the SLA challenge question in a few minutes. And uh, you have a chance to call in for that. Same for the Diva challenge question. I'll read that question at some point, And you'll have time to pick up. Punch in our number and tell Dustin, hey, Dustin, I'm calling with the answer to the Diva challenge question. And he'll put you through. So the number to reach us at is 517-884-4321. Again, that's 517-884-4321. Again, Dustin is on the phone lines waiting for you to call. It's just like QVC. He's there. You call in. It's only $59.95 for Angelica's earrings that <laughs> she has wait, on. I'm but selling wait. Angelica's earrings today for $59.95. The first caller gets it a discount of $49.95. No, just kidding. So Actually, they weren't worth that much. So, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's sell them for that. I like it. I know. How much did you pay for that Cracker Jack box? <laughs> okay. Anyway, so call us again at 517-884-4321. Angelica will be looking at Mixler and see what issues come up. But we like people to call in, so if you're on Mixler, 
I think Angelica, I'm going to have Angelica get on Mixler today and just go, call in. She's going to already, I already people did that. Yeah. We're, we're going to start racking up people's phone numbers and calling you when we see you on Mixler. So call in because we like for you to call and we like talking to people. Don't be shy. And Walter, give them the phone number one more time just in case. I shall. It is 517-884-4321. He's so good at that. He he's, is. He's so multi-talented. I know. Can you Can you pat your head and rub your stomach? Well, not with headphones on. <laughs> but can you rub your head and pat your stomach? I can rub my stomach and <laughs> pat my head. He's doing it. He's doing it. It's you're no I'm you're demonstrating. This okay. one, this one, this one the, is easier. Okay, which one is easier? Uh, do people, I wish Rubbing we had a, I wish we had a webcam in here. You have to see this. This is this is like <laughs> <laughs> looks like we're that. trying it out here, ladies and gentlemen. It looks like I'm. They're I looking in the mirror each other. It's like yeah, I can see. I can see. You can do both. That's great. Now, can you use your left foot instead of your right hand? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Put your right foot in. Put your oh, wait, sorry. oh gosh! I'm gonna put my right foot in something, Walt. If you don't be quiet over that. <laughs> wow! Did I say he's in rare form today? <laughs> it's the drugs. The audience should know. The Prozac. The, the audience should know that I've been under the weather. I'll go ahead and admit this. I was wound up in the doctor's office, hospital yesterday again because of diverticulitis, and so now I'm on pain meds and and uh, antibiotics, and it's making me a little wacky. <laughs> So anyway, just a little, just a little bit, but I'm so anxious to be out of my hotel room because it's like, oh God, you just sit there and in pain. You're like, good to get out and get the adrenaline going. Okay. So guess what? 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 This week begins our countdown to Actful. Yay. And what does our countdown involve? It involves a review, one topic a week from my book while we're on the topic. So as many of our listeners know who have already purchased the book, Walter, thank you very much. Each chapter presents a principle, and the first chapter principle is this. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. The first chapter. I already read it. The principle, yes. Principle one, chapter one is this. If you're going to teach communicatively, you'd better have a definition of communication. Now, in, we've talked about this in the past, so this is not a new topic for our show, but it's always good to review these things because, you know, lots of, in fact, one of the callers said, I just got done reading your book, and it's so nice to see lots of the things on the show I have get condensed and in a nice, interesting form in the book. So, so all these things eventually get out there one way or another. So we've talked about this before, um, but for our new listeners, uh, first-time listeners, uh, and for those who may not have read or had not paid attention in the past, uh, we're going to give our definition of communication. It goes like this. Communication is the expression, interpretation, and sometimes negotiation of meaning in a given context with a given purpose. And that purpose is not langu- uh, linguistic. In other words, the purpose of communication is not to practice language. The purpose of communication is something else, informational, psychosocial, entertainment, something like that. So again, uh, the communication is expression, interpretation, and sometimes negotiation of meaning in a given context with a given purpose. And notice I said given context. So today we're going to focus on context. It's really important. Um, Context, as a definition, consists of participants and setting. And I'm going to read just a little thing. I really like the way Actville did this book, by the way, those of you who haven't looked at it. They got these neat little pull-out things and quotes on the side. So I'm going to read this two-little-sentence thing they pulled out. And put in quotes. It says, uh, "This is me writing, so I'm quoting myself here." Context. (laughs) I was going to say it. I was going to say it says, but the it is me, so I might as well. Okay. So on page six, uh, the little quote is: "Context is a powerful dimension of any communicative event. Context constrains how people 
communicate. And again, if context consists of participants and people, we can see how context would affect communication and language use. Um, it is a critical factor, not just in communication more generally, but especially in communicative language classes, because context shapes both what we talk about and how we talk about it. So for example, in everyday lives, we shift between, uh, uh, we shift in how we communicate based on who we're talking to in the physical setting, right? So while like we're just joking right now and so on, there's a lot of places where we wouldn't do this kind of banter. It would be, we wouldn't communicate in this way. Um, uh, uh, it's just not appropriate in this other context with a different set of participants, a different setting. So uh, Angelica, who, who sometimes sounds like a truck driver when she's talking, would never talk like that <laughs> in a classroom with her students, right? She would not do that. She would never talk like that ever. Yeah, no, I, I agree. No, 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 no. I she never would. She would talk like that ever. So, um, <laughs> so, um, so she knows how to restrain herself in the classroom and she shapes her language appropriate to use the language in the classroom and so on. So um, she speaks with a very soothing voice because she teaches a fairy tales class. So she's got to kind of, you know, <laughs> you still have to look up those fractured fairy tales, like oh, I told yeah. you. About. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> anyway, the point about classrooms—the reason context is so important to classrooms—is that classrooms are fixed contexts. Now, I'm going to ask my two co-hosts here: What is? What do we mean by fixed? The classroom is a fixed, F-I-X-E-T-E-D, context. What's a fixed context? Well, what you mean by that is that it's the classroom context is the classroom itself. Well, so what's our definition of context? Some, it's the location and, and the people. Then the people, the participants, that you, exactly. The people that you're interacting with. So, so the participants and the and the space or the setting. So classroom is a fixed context because what never changes. That. Yeah. The participants yeah. and the setting are always always the same. So um, so that has profound consequences. Um, in what we talk about and how we talk about it. So the important question developing materials for language classes that, uh, that claim to be communicative is this, that in the context in which you teach as a teacher, what is context appropriate to talk about and what is not? What are context appropriate activities and which, are, which aren't? Uh, and how, in general, will communication happen in that context. Now, for those of you who've read my book, you'll know that I talk about role-playing. This is one of my examples. I talk about role-playing not being either communicative, uh, uh, either being communicative or communication-based, or context-informed. Because when we role-play, we say like, okay, Walter, you're going to play the role of the client and I'm going to be the waiter. Um, we are ignoring who and what we are, because Walter and I are neither clients nor waiters. We're Walter and we're Bill in this classroom as students or as student professor or whatever. Um, those are who we are. And so to take on these other roles violates the context of that classroom. It's all of a sudden, it's no longer that context. That doesn't mean you change that context. That just means you're ignoring the context and you're doing something completely artificial. So the idea is what can we do in classrooms that is actually real communication with the real participants in that real setting we have. Then, of course, there are roles. Students are students and instructors are instructors, and, and both those kinds of people have certain roles. We just can't get around that. Um, and then when you start looking at levels of language, beginning students, for example, have no ability with language. Okay, So what's going to be their role as a participant in the classroom when they have limited ability. You gonna make them talk, Walter? Of course I am. Of course you are, because that's <laughs> who you are. You're gonna get that whip out and go 
um, and you're going to make those students talk? No, of course not. So students, um, if we go back to our definition of communication, expression, interpretation, and negotiation of meaning in a given context, students in the beginning are going to be much, much more involved in interpretation of language and communication than they are expressors of language. And the teacher may be more of an expressor of language. And bit by bit, learners over time gain expressive ability. And so you might see beginning classrooms look much, much different from higher-level classrooms in terms of what we see going on in classrooms, for the most part. Um, and then, of course, there are things like age and school setting that affect the kind of communication that happens in classrooms. What is appropriate as communication or communicative task or activity with a third grader may or may not be appropriate with 20-year-olds and vice versa, not just in terms of topic, but what you do. Um, so bringing that point up, I want to make sure that people don't poo-poo very often um, elementary school teachers and high school teachers and university teachers can't talk to each other. I think they have nothing to say to each other because they teach different ages. You actually do. So, for example, um, I, I promote tasks a lot, and people go, well, that task inappropriate for, for a high school student or eighth grader. And I go, the point is not that the task is inappropriate. The point is the topic is inappropriate, maybe, or it's uninteresting to them or whatever. But that doesn't mean tasks aren't. Um, so anything we do, whether it's some kind of TPRS or if it's task-based stuff the way I advocate or a combination of the two, which is where I'm headed these days, um, and, or, or uh, some other kind of communicative approach, um, the idea is that the, the range of things out there are going to be appropriate based on age and not based on the kind of thing um, that it is. So keep your, keep, your, keep your hearts and minds open to ideas because... Um, because um, somebody out there working in a different context from you might have something interesting to offer. Okay, with that said, we're going to let that topic sit and percolate in people's heads. That's, that's not the entire focus of Chapter 1, by the way, but I just you, we can't do you know, 15, 20 pages of a book in an hour. I just pulled out a little thing so we could have something to talk about. But if anybody wants to talk about anything else, please call in. Let me go ahead and give the challenge question and then the SLA challenge question. I'm going to take a phone call here in a minute. Um, so here's the SLA challenge question. Are you ready? We're ready. We are ready. Are you ready? Born ready. Don't you, I don't know do, how you, you know, respond no, to that. Nobody knows that song? No. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Are you ready? <laughs> yes, I'm ready. <laughs> I don't even know how. Nobody knows that song but me. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Clearly so I go. do. I was SLA challenge question. SLA challenge question. <laughs> Classic definitions of communicative competence or ability include underlying grammatical competence, discourse competence, sociolinguistic competence, and strategic competence. Of those four competences, which one deals with appropriate use of language in context? Okay, again, classic definitions of communicative competence or ability include underlying grammatical competence, discourse competence, sociolinguistic competence, and strategic competence. Of those four competences, some people like competencies, but I like competences. Of those four competences, which one deals with appropriate use of language in a given context? Call with the answer to that question and win a prize and get your name in the hat for a book. All right. Yeah. So, okay, we got a call on the phone. All right, Dustin? It looks like we do. Okay. We, Ann, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Hey, Ann, where are you calling from? 
I'm calling from um, Australia. Australia. That's a big place. What part of Australia are you calling from? Well, actually, I'm calling from a beautiful little place called Kangaroo Island, which is off South Australia because wow. I'm on holidays. Wow. It, it, can I ask a question? Is it called Kangaroo Island because maybe the first people who got there saw kangaroos and didn't know what else to name it? Or is it, is it a sanctuary for kangaroos? Um, you what? know what? I'm not 100% sure, but that, that sounds pretty good to me. Let's just go with that. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I thought maybe, maybe it I could like also Anne. be a sanctuary for kangaroos, you know, so who knows? So. Well, the island could be shaped well, like a kangaroo, too. Well, there are lots of animals here. We've seen koalas. We've seen kangaroos. We've seen an echidna. Yeah, it's been great. Awesome. Well, great. So, Anne, what are you calling about? Well, I have a diva question for you. You have a diva <laughs> question for me. Uh-oh. Nice. I Is like it. Is it an it. easy one or a hard one? I hope it's a hard one. Oh, I don't know. I, I think... Bill knows everything about Bette Midler, so I'm sure he'll get it. I'm sure <laughs> if it's about Bette Midler, Bette Midler, Bette Midler that he will. You never know. There's lots of things I don't know. Believe me. I admit it. And this is the, this is the um, little trick that goes with it. If you get it right, you get to send me your book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Anne. I love it. I love it. it. I love it. <laughs> No, I get to go to Kangaroo okay. Island and hand you my book in person. <laughs> <laughs> All no, expenses normally I live paid in Melbourne. Trip. Okay, all right, here we go. What's, uh, what's okay, your... Okay, here's your question. Okay. Your diva, your favorite diva was a producer of a show which debuted in 2011 on Broadway. This musical was based on an Australian film. What was the name of the film? Ooh. Oh, um, she was a producer of that? Gee. Yes. Huh. I think it might have been co-producer. There may have been more than one producer, but yeah, she was. Was that uh, uh, Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert? Oh, you got it. Yes, it was. Wow. Oh, my goodness. How did man, you possibly look know that? at you, Bill. <laughs> All Impressive. Right, there you go. Now I'll, I, I can vouch for the fact that he did not look yes, that correct. up. Yes, correct. He did not look anything up. <laughs> I was about to, but he did not. <laughs> well, that's very impressive. Well, thank you for that question. That's a that was a great question. I like that. Thank you so much, Anne. Um, since we got you on the air, um, and before we send you off on your merry way to Kangaroo Island, do you have any? Did you want to talk about SLA or anything like that, or are you done? Tell me. Um, well, and, I have one really quick question. I was wondering if you're going to be at IFLT in Cincinnati next year because my very good friend and colleague and I are going there. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to be there or not. I'm definitely already, I do know I'm going to be in Boston for the NTPRS. So, And I heard you were going, I think you mentioned you were going to over to Spain about the same time. So I'm going to Salamanca at the end of June for the ATSP and then I'll be back in the States um, and then I'll be going to NTPRS in Boston. At some point, uh, yeah. So I don't know about IFLT. Okay, yet, well, so. I've got my fingers crossed that you'll be at the other one too. All right. Well, if I am, I'm going to look you up. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, well, and I would like to have a go at the SLA question, if I may. Oh, okay. All right, then. That's a, You can have a go for that. Absolutely. She wants two books, this girl. I, I like it, right? So, here we go. <laughs> okay. Um, let me repeat the question for everybody, and then um, uh, we'll see what your answer is. So here's the question again. The classic definition of communicative competence or communicative ability includes underlying grammatical competence, discourse competence, sociolinguistic competence, and strategic competence. Of those four competences, which one deals with appropriate use of language in context? And your answer is? 
Sociolinguistic. Competence. You are Yay! correct. Yay! Yay! How does a ding, ding, ding Yay! sound in Australia? Does ding, ding, ding have an Australian accent when you do it? We don't have. Ding, ding, ding. There you go. You should know, by the way, you should know, Anne, that Siri, I'm, I converted my Siri phone to the Australian guy. So when I talk to Siri on my iPhone, he talks back to me in a, a male Australian voice. I love it. Oh, that's very cute. I yes. love it. I yeah. love it. There you go. All right. Thanks for calling in, Anne. Um, Dustin's got your information. So No, actually, we what? don't. Anne, will you please um, email us your mailing address? T yes. with BVP at gmail.com. I can do that. Thank yeah. you very much. Email thank you, Anne. Thanks for calling. Thanks for calling. Oh, thanks. Bye-bye. Oh, right. Thanks for talking to you guys. Okay, Bye. thanks, Anne. Bye-bye. That was cute. That was great. Absolutely. She asked us a question. And we, and then awesome. She, and then she answered the SLH challenge question and got it right. Good for her. Yeah, for those people who out there don't know, um, the classic definition of communicative competence um, came from Canali and Swain, um, but uh, was actually originally um, talked about by Sandy Savignon. Hmm. Uh, but it was m- more what's the desarrollado? How do you say that in, in developed? Developed. Thank you. In the eighties, with Canali and Swain, and then then with some new work by Savignon and some other people, Bachman and Palmer, Bachman and Palmer, and some others. And so it consists minimally. Well, consists of typically, I should say, grammatical competence, which is everything. That's lexicon. That's your words. Your syntax, your morphology, everything. So grammatical is everything that's language-related. Your discourse competence, which is a cohesion across sentences, how you manage conversations. Sociolinguistic competence, which deals with appropriateness, knowing what to say, in what context, how to say, when not to say something, when to keep your mouth shut, Walter. And then strategic competence, of course. (laughs) Do I have a problem with that? Strategic competence, (laughs) which is is, uh, when you don't know how to say something, you're at a loss for words, what do you do? That's strategic competence. So all those are bundled together in underlying ability to use language in, in, uh, in some kind of communicative context. So there you go. Good challenge question. All right. Okay. I don't know if our trailer is working. My little screen is, I don't know, things aren't moving around up there, so I don't know what's going on. So I, I have to rely on my intuition looking through the glass door, <laughs> looking at Dustin's face and Daniel's face and just sort of figuring things out what's going on next. So do we have anything on Mixler or uh, email questions that we can take before we're waiting for the phone to ring? Yeah, I do have I do have a thing on Mixler. It, it's a little lengthy, but bear with me here. So last week you mentioned how you'd rather hear or use the term second language rather than foreign language. And this person agrees foreign has a lot of connotations that aren't positive and and it's not exactly true. However, when doing research about second language acquisition this summer, this person found that much of it was done around English language learners in the U.S., which would mean they are constantly surrounded by the language and get lots of rich, comprehensible input. Foreign seems to make sense to talk about learning a language that you really only get to hear in a classroom setting because there are not so many external factors that are affecting the rate of acquisition. Do you think that those factors should not be taken into consideration when researching language acquisition? So this whole second and foreign. No, I don't think it makes any sense at all. It might make sense in pedagogical research, but not in second language acquisition research. Um, and I still, I still would maintain distinctions for political reasons. Um, the last thing you want in this country in 2017 hmm. in the current administration is to have our languages called foreign. And I don't need to say anything other than that. And I'm saying, I, I said this way back in the 90s, one of my keynotes was about this, and that was the year I gave the keynote in California, and they actually changed their name. They dropped the word foreign and went from California Foreign Language Teacher Association. The next day at their business meeting, they became the California Language Teacher Association, which is the way we should be headed, in my opinion. 
Um, okay. So, but but in terms of, it doesn't make a difference. For example, let's look what's happened in Germany. There was research done in the 80s, late 70s and early 80s, on guest workers in Germany, which is a second language context, according to this definition, right? So these were guest workers living in Germany, and they're looking at their acquisition of world over time and the constraints on it and so on. And then a study was published in the late 80s that was done on German foreign language learners in the classroom in the U.K., who were not living in the environment. They were German students, I mean, uh, uh, UK students learning German in the classroom. And what they found was the patterns of development were identical between the classroom learners and the um, uh, guest workers, whose languages were largely Italian, Spanish, and Turkish, a few Greeks in there. Um, and, and so found that the patterns of development were similar in terms of acquisition of language. So in terms of second language acquisition research, there's no reason for that distinction. Pedagogical reasons, you might you might want to come up with some terminology because there are some pedagogical things in the sense of if you don't have access to language outside the classroom, Walter and Angelica, for example, can't tell the students, go to the supermarket tonight and do the following and then report back to the class tomorrow how it worked. You can't do that here because when you go to the supermarket in the United States, you're going to go to Kroger, you're going to go to Safeway, you're going to go to Lucky's, you're going to go to what's – what, uh, Pathmark. What are some other supermarkets? Target. That's well. That's not a supermarket. It's a it super, has. It's a superstore. Carrefour. It's a superstore. Oh, come Wait, on. Anyway, so my point is, is that so that there's there's activities you can't do in a an, in a context in which language is not spoken outside the classroom. Um, that you can do with a cla- language spoken outside the classroom. But that's a pedagogical issue. It's not a second language. That's not an acquisition issue. Um, and so. Um, so I, I would say that. That's my only response to that for right now. So Great. That person Thank wants you. to elaborate. Tell that person to go ahead and add some more in Mixler. I'd be happy to deal with that question. So one more question before we see if there's something on the phone. I think the f- there's a phone call coming in. Walter, you got sure. something? Sure, yeah. Is we it have easy? A- I want something easy, Walter. Yes. You know, I'm sick. I'm on meds. I'm so tired from meds. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while. God, these antibiotics make you so tired. I'm running purely on adrenaline right now. Mm. I am. It's like someone just stuck me with a needle and shot me full of something before the show started. I will collapse after this, I tell you. Go ahead, Walter. Wow. <laughs> That's a great introduction. Uh, this is from when I Muda. Think of you. And uh, she was curious. Apparently in last week's episode you mentioned uh, – you referenced Maria Pabesi. And she's wondering if you can um, – please repeat what you said. <laughs> oh, there you go. There, speaking of, that's a nice segue. Thank you, Walter, because that study also looks at learners of English uh-huh. in a foreign language context and learners of English in a second language context <laughs> and found that the development of relative clauses, for example, look absolutely identical. Not absolutely, but largely identical in the two contexts. So that's another study. Okay, so 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 the foreign language, second language thing gets obliterated when we start to actually look at acquisition itself. Okay, so Maria Pavese published a study in the journal Studies in Second Language Acquisition. And let me see if I can remember the year. Is it 1987? Why is 87 ringing a bell in my head? might be 1987. It was published in um, uh, Studies in Second Language Acquisition, and uh, the title had the words formal and informal context in it and the development of irrelevant, uh, rel- relative clauses in English. It's a very good study, easy to read. It's not a, one of those full of a lot of jargon and statistics and things, so it's an easy read for a, lot, for a lot of people. And it's a good study. I actually uh, use it as a, a, a study in the, the chapter I'm working on for that book I was talking about last week. So Maria Pavesi, Studies in Second Language Acquisition. I think it's 1987. 
Um, but um, it's easy to, if you go into Google, put Maria Pavese, Studies in Second Language Acquisition, you can find it. Pavese is P-A-V-E-S-I. And uh, we'll have Ryan put that up on our website. Make sure that gets up there. Okay, we have a call on the line. We have Rachel. Rachel, are you on the line? I'm here. Hi, Rachel. Where are you calling from? I live in Plovdiv, Bulgaria. Wow. Shut the front door. Really? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, I'm teaching English and working with the church here. So. Oh, wow. Well, cool. good for you. Okay, so how's the teaching of English going? Um, it's going pretty well. I actually just tuned in to you all because I just got home from class and teaching a beginner class, and it's nighttime here, so ah, okay. um, I had a night class. Yeah. So, so now you've caught. I just, I didn't. Now you caught your I'm breath. Sorry. Now you've caught your breath, and you're chilling to the <laughs> mellow sounds of Angelica, Walter, and Bill. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I heard that you're so tired. Yes. <laughs> you're so surprised that he's so tired. I'm right. sure. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, Rachel, what's on your mind? What are you calling about? Um, well, I I just wanted to say thank you all because I have grown a lot in my understanding. I taught for two years. Uh, I taught elementary ESL for two years in Virginia before I moved here a year ago. Um, and just listening to the podcast, I caught up over the summer and listened to everything. And I've just learned so much. And now I get to consult with some of my colleagues as we're all learning Bulgarian and um colleagues who do other work in the city. And so I get to help them with, you know, here are strategies that you can use to help you learn Bulgarian. So um, we're all working on it. So it's been really wonderful. Well, good. Good awesome. Good. Yeah. So if I get home at a reasonable time another time, hopefully I can listen to everything and maybe answer one of your questions one day. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. There you go. All right. Yeah. <laughs> So you don't have a question for us today, or you're just calling in the chat and no, say hi? No, I just wanted to say hi. Oh, well, that's that, wonderful. You know, we don't get enough people calling and just say hi and tell you know tell us a little about themselves. That's always good because I think teachers and and people like to hear who's doing well somewhere. Now we know Rachel in Bulgaria teaching English, and this is mm-hmm. kind of cool. Not to yeah. mention that she gets a chance to win your book. You yeah, know, so. true, very true. <laughs> she does yep. exactly. And- I would love a copy of your book. (laughs) Well, the competition is your neck and neck with Anne right now because you're only two callers. So there you go. (laughs) Unless we get a flood of calls. I'll I'll keep listening and hope for it. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for calling in, Rachel. Thank you all. Have a great evening. Bye, Rachel. Bye-bye. Thanks for calling, Rachel. Bye-bye. That was so sweet. Thank that, that was really nice of her to do that. Man, and we have great international coverage today. I tell you, this we've is got, awesome. We were all we're, of our local we're people. We're literally on opposite sides of the yeah. planet, Book here yeah. in Australia. Yeah. You realize that? And then we're in sandwich in the middle here in, in <laughs> Michigan. So, But we've had people calling from Japan, Sweden, Brazil, Mexico, Argentina, Spain, Morocco. Where else? Algeria. Germany. Uh, United Arab Emirates. Was Dubai, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Saudi Arabia once. Lots um, of people from lots of different places. Yeah, so we should make Canada, a map. Of course. We should make we a map. We should. Put little pins in it. We should put mm-hmm. it up here on the okay, wall. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and give the Diva Challenge question now. And Wonderful. This is, this is a good one because this is language-related. Oh. Ooh. This is my first language-related Diva question. I like it. I'm, t- I'm trying to get things in here. So I'm trying, oh, to, yeah. trying to tie all this up. Okay, so here we go. Ready? Because um, I don't want my Diva Challenge questions always just be about Diva. I want it to be language-related. Okay. So most American pop divas have sung in one language or another at least once. Even my own Bette Midler has sung in another language once. Um, But this does not make them bilingual. Sometimes they just memorize lyrics in another language. Name the non-bilingual 
pop diva in the United States who once released an album called Je M'appelle and then her name. You might also want to know she released a completely different album in the same decade called My Name Is <laughs> and Her Name. Interesting. So again, most American pop divas have sung in one language or another at least once, but this does not make them bilingual. Sometimes they just memorize lyrics in another language. Name the non-bilingual pop diva who once released an album called Je M'appelle and then her name. You might also want to know she released during the same decade a completely different album called My Name Is and Her Name. So if you got the answer to that, call in and win a prize. And I'll give you a hint. It's not a very recent album. So there you go. And does this person sing the entire album in French? Or no, just, absolutely just not. The there's like one, the there's like one song in French on that. I see. That's, yeah, so what? Uh, in fact, that song is Non C'est Rien from, uh, what's her name? Mm-hmm. Edith Piaf. Mm-hmm. Non C'est Rien. Ce garçon, mm-hmm. moi, je le plains. Mm-hmm. Ne croyez pas que demain. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> I get all so excited. I'm like the Pointer Sisters. I get so excited. You just can't hide it? I can't help it. I know there goes Walter. I put a quarter in him. There you go. <laughs> I was watching Glee earlier today in my hotel before I came in because I was trying to take a little nap and some... Shows like that sometimes help me fall asleep because I like a little noise in the background. And all I could do is think of Walter when I was watching those kids on the screen. <laughs> I was thinking of Walter, <laughs> either in Glee Club or, or being the, the, the teacher that led that, you know, that, you know, what's that game? Will Schuster, who uh, was the Glee leader. Wow. So, well, I've got a question here for you. You ready? I am. Let me take a sip of my water while you read the question. Go ahead. All right. This is a question from Gina in Hawaii. That nice? We mm-hmm. are circling the globe. This is like around the world with tea with BBP. Go. I like it. All right. Gina says, based on my understanding of psychosocial versus cognitive informational uses of language, does that mean that anytime we engage students using the target language in lessons about history, art, or even reading a fictional novel, that would be considered cognitive informational? And if this is correct, then does it mean that we engage in activities, not activities with a capital A? that focus on learning or enjoying the content, then this would be considered communicative? I think this is correct, but I just want to confirm. Okay, the answer is um, in history and what was the, the thing she said? History she said uh, history, and history, art, and, art yes. or even reading a fictional okay. novel. Yeah, uh, well, let's put fictional novels aside for a minute. For art, history, anything, um, if the students are being held responsible for content, that is cognitive informational because it'd be the same thing as if you were actually in a history class and were engaging to learn about, let's say, U.S. history. Let's say you're taking a class on the Civil War uh, here at MSU or at um, you know South Carolina University or someplace else. Um, then uh, you would be responsible for that content. So whenever you're held responsible for content and going to do something with that content, that is cognitive informational use of language or cognitive informational purpose of communication. So that answers that. For literature and for for fiction, um, it's the same thing, although it's a little bit different because it depends on what you consider the content to be. Very often in literature, it's not the content of the novel itself, but it's it's interpretation or what you wind up talking about in terms of looking at literature and so on. And so if learners are held responsible for that, there's some reason to be doing that, then there's cognitive informational um, use of language and cognitive informational purpose of communication going on. Um, and uh, the question about the part about activities, not with a big A, 
but a small a, correct? Correct. Okay. Um, what was that part again about the... She says, if this is correct, then does that mean that if we engage in activities, not activities with a capital A, that focus on learning and enjoy or enjoying the content, this would be more... We, sorry, this would be considered communicative. Um, with the... It depends. Yeah. They would be quasi-communicative. Remember, to be fully communicative, you really have to have some purpose because communication always has some purpose to it. But you can be partially communicative in the sense that you're not just focused on language. There's some kind of mean expression, interpretation of meaning going on. And that can happen in any kind of activity where you have a focus on meaning, right? But um, it may not have... If there, there are two kinds of activities. One where the purpose of expression, interpretation of meaning is to practice language. <laughs> And then there's expression, interpretation, meaning, because you're going to do something with it. Um, and then there's something in between. I should say there's three. There's something, the, the something in between where you have expression, interpretation, of meaning, but you're neither practicing language, but you're also not, um, what's the word? Um, you don't have a purpose to it that's, that's content-oriented. And so those are the kind of activities that would be on their way toward communicative, I would say. They've got a communicative part to them, but they're missing the purpose. So, so I guess then the question might be, would learning and, and enjoying content not be considered a purpose? I guess would that that would be a follow-up question on yeah. that. Yeah. So, so, so it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that activities aren't useful or fun or good and, and, and don't have a purpose in and of themselves related to something. Because even in my own teaching, for example, in my book, and when you look at the epilogue where I, I give a sample lesson, there's, it's a task-driven lesson, but not everything in that lesson is a task. There's something I'm aiming for, and I tell the students, here's where we're headed. But along the way, I've got to do activities with a capital A because I'm leading them up to get to that task. And so um, so these things are all related eventually. Yeah. And there's a quick follow-up questions on Mixler, too. So what would a bad example of do something with the content be? What is often misunderstood about that final step to make it purposeful? Oh, gosh, that's a, that's, that's a tough question. Um, what would be a bad example? Yeah. Oh God! Let me let me let me. I'm gonna write that down because we got a caller coming. I want to take the caller. Um, I'm gonna write that down because I want to come back to that. Okay. So, okay, that's a good question. I have to think about. It. All right. Well, there you have it, Gina. Uh, all right, Gina. Thank Gina for that question on email. Okay, we've got Mandy on the phone. Hey, Mandy, are you there? Yeah, I'm there. Hey, Mandy, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Devons, Massachusetts, from Parker Charter School. Wow, all the way from Massachusetts. We are circling, I tell you, we're circling the globe. <laughs> we went all the way from the 50th state in the Pacific to one of the first states on the East Coast. So there you go. All right, Mandy, uh, what you calling about? I'm calling with the answer to the Diva Challenge. Ooh, okay, here we go. All right, so let me, let me say the question again, and then you can give me the answer. Most American pop divas have sung in one language or another at least once. But this doesn't make them bilingual. Sometimes they, unless, of course, you're Celine Dion um, or Jennifer Lopez. Well, you're um, giving away answers here. That's not these people. Yeah, because it's, <laughs> because the question not is a question says it's a non-bilingual. Person. Oh right. Yeah. Sometimes they just memorize lyrics, right? So name the non-bilingual pop diva who once released an album called Je m'appelle, then her name. You might also want to know she released a completely different album called My Name Is, and her name. So the answer is Mandy. Drum roll. Go ahead. Barbara Streisand. Yay! Ding, 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 ding. There it is. Excellent. Yay. There you go. She actually did a TV special once, too, called My Name is Barbara. Huh. Now, remember that famous lyric, My Name is Barbara. It was really, really kind of cool. Well, Mandy, you just won yourself a prize. Your name goes, goes in a hat for the drawing for my book, and you're having a good day. 
I am having a good day. And we're having a, we're having so a good day, too, because you called in. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. All right. Okay, unless you have something else, I'm going to say goodbye to you. No, I'm good. I didn't get to hear you guys earlier because I was in class. So oh, okay. I'll All right. The rest. Okay. Well, All thanks, right. Mandy. Okay. Bye. Thanks, thanks for calling, for calling Mandy. Mandy. There you go. Bye-bye. What a trooper. She just told us that. That didn't make any difference. She just tuned in late anyway because she was going to listen to us one way or the other, and then she's listened to the rest later. That's kind of cool that people yep. do that. It's awesome. You know? That's really cool. Like, It's like when you get a TV show late, but you're recording, you just watch it anyway, and then you'll go, I'll watch the beginning part later. That's kind of cool, Mandy. Good for you. All right, we're giving away prize. I feel like I feel like Oprah Winfrey here. You want a Buick? Anybody want a Buick? I don't know that I want a Buick, but I wouldn't mind a car. <laughs> or a signed copy of your book. That's right. You know, signed copy of your book. Look under your chair, Walter. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually looking. He almost fell off his chair in excitement, <laughs> and now he's crying on the inside because there was oh, nothing. There's under nothing his chair. there, everybody. <laughs> so Hokey sad. Dokies. It's all right. Like I said, I got it out of the library, so. <laughs> you get what out of the library? The chair? Your book. I thought you said the chair. No, I lost the. Book. I lost my. I lost my antecedent there. I lost the antecedent to it. There were so many oh, yeah. references yeah. before yeah. then. It's like you know. Hey, I that's have called a discourse competence. I don't have very good discourse competence. Today, today you may not. <laughs> There's someone I'm who just so sent in another tired. email I'm question, so and this tired. is another diva question for you. Oh my gosh! Ooh, okay, yeah, right? bring this it on. We gotta get some Christine. La- this is a language show. We gotta get some language questions. But go ahead, I'll take the diva. Christine one. wants to wants to know which diva. Didn't speak Spanish, but made an album called Canciones de Mi Padre. Linda Ronstadt. All right. She didn't give me the answer, so I have no <laughs> idea. But there you have it. Google Christine, it. let us know if he is right or not. Linda Ronstadt. And then she did a, a follow-up album. I've never even heard that name before. Who is Linda, Linda Ronstadt? Linda Oh, my what God. Was, she was, was so big in the, the 70s and 80s. Canciones de Mi Padre. Canciones de Mi Padre. Por un amor. Yeah, it's a great album, actually. She yeah. She a really, really yeah. good job. He, he's got this right. He, oh. He's a stud. <laughs> Emphasis on the ud. <laughs> Thud. I don't know. <laughs> so we're getting all these demon questions today. So who was who sent that question in? Christine was her name. Ah, Christine. Okay, yeah, I got that. Okay. All right. So what are the questions we have coming in? Any comments? Have you got anything on Galica? I've got another one. If you don't, please go ahead. All right. This is from Teresa. And Teresa says, I know that many times my students learning Spanish may simply need more input in order to start using a certain term or tense. However, I am curious to know when native-speaking children acquire certain structures to be able to compare. I realize every child is different in their acquisition, but you have mentioned examples before about simple past tense that have made me reevaluate my goals as a teacher. Any simple way to find a native Spanish speaker acquisition timeline? Ooh, um, so I guess she's talking about order of acquisition, right? Hmm. Yeah, no, there isn't a simple place to find that. Let me think. Um, there, um, Sylvina Montreux has a good book. I think it was published in 2007, I want to say. Was it that late? What, does, what year is this? 2017? Mm-hmm. Might have been 2007. So, Sylvina Montreux published a book um, where she looked at different aspects of acquisition of Spanish. She compares... First language learners, bilingual learners, and then also um, second language learners. And compare, but it's not necessarily orders of acquisition, but she looks at things in the verb phrase, things in the noun phrase, stuff like that. So that's a place I might start um, to see because um, I've used that book in the past and, and it's, got, it's got some good tidbits. It's, it's a good book. So uh, again, the name is Sylvina Montrul, M O N T R U L. And it was published uh, by John Benjamin's Press. 
And so um, that book would be a good starting point. Uh, it's a readable book. It's a good book. So I, I'd start there. Um, and th- to be honest with you, there, ha- there has not been in any one place where you can find a collection of st- studies or something to actually look at first language acquisition in Spanish that way. So, all right, we got another call on the line. Looks like it's coming in. We got Jason on the line. Hey, Jason, are you there? Yes. Hey, Jason, what's going on? Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Dripping Springs outside of Austin, Texas. Dripping Springs. I know Dripping Springs. You know I did all my graduate work in Austin. You know that, right? Yes, of course. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We should start having the Diva Challenge. uh, We should start... We should start having the Diva Challenge question about me. So how many people can answer questions like, Jason just knew that. He could have won a prize. He's like, of course I knew that. Come on now. <laughs> Jason, what, what did you mean, so, Jason? Of course I knew that. <laughs> well, because I've, I've listened to the show a lot, and I've, uh, I've heard you say that, mention that uh, other time people call in from this area. Oh, okay. I nice. thought maybe, so, darn, good I memory. Thought, I thought maybe you were stalking me. I need a stalker. Oh, come that way, on. Oh, please. That way, I could, that, that way I could be a real celebrity. I can say I have oh, a stalker. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Jason, just ignore uh, that last comment. <laughs> do you have any questions for us, Jason? Hey, wait a minute. That's my yeah, line. So, so, Jason, what are you calling well, about? So, first, um, you probably recognize me as Longinus. I tweet as Longinus on there. So, oh. Yeah, hey. you guys a lot. Yep. But uh, what I wanted to ask was if you're doing something like playing like a role-playing game, like a Dungeons & Dragons style thing in the target language, would that count as like an authentic communicative context? Um, it is because it's, 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 it's authentic outside the classroom because there's a purpose to it that's non-language. And so if you, if you, if you, if you do it in class exactly the way you do it outside of class, then, then it is a communicative activity. Okay. It's, not, it's, cool. it's not a typical task because the outcome – I don't play Dungeons & Dragons, but I'm assuming there's an outcome to Dungeons & Dragons, Right. Yeah, there's a possible, like, it's basically like a story that you kind of make up together with the other players, and the, the person who's in charge, the dungeon master, kind of has an a rough idea of where you're headed and what could happen, but it's kind of, uh, you kind of make it up as you go along to a certain extent. Yeah, okay, yeah, so then, so then, because if there's an outcome to it, there's a purpose where there's an end to it, then, then, then... Um, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's the same thing, for example, let's say you play poker, outside of class, right? And the, and the goal of poker is to win, right? right. Um, and if you do the same thing in class, you play poker, and then the goal is to win the money on the table in class. You're doing the same thing. So that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's not a communicative activity, but it's an activity that involves communication. So, Okay. There you go. So that was a good question. Yeah. So are you a Dungeons & Dragons person? Is that why you're asking that? Slightly. It's just uh, been something that I've been kind of looking into, and I was not sure. It's been actually a question I've had for like a year now that I have not uh, asked. So uh-huh. now I've got it asked. Now I have to think of a new question. Okay. <laughs> you can think of it now, or are you can think of another question later and call in. <laughs> no, no, for another time. For another call. All right. Well, we, you can call anytime you want. How's that? Perfect. Okay. And your name goes in the hat for the drawing for the book today. So thanks for calling in, Jason. Woohoo. <laughs> Thank okay. you all very much. All right. Bye. Bye, Jason. And, and, and please find somebody to stalk me. I want to be a celebrity. Oh, my goodness. I want to be stalked so no, I can please. call the police and no get my one, name in the paper. No one stalked. <laughs> no kidding. one stalked Bill. No, 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 oh, no, no. Oh, good grief. We already have a slightly inflated ego here, so we don't need to <laughs> inflate that even further. <laughs> that's not inflation. That's my diverticulitis. It gives right, me my, right. I'm inflamed on the inside. 
Hey, we need to give a shout out to a group of fourth graders who are listening to us. The Red Dragons. The Roten Drachen. The Red Dragons. Where are they from? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, tell them the Mixler Rises. Tell them where they're from so we can say they're from. Oh, hang on. Oh, 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 no. They do have a question. Oh, they do. Okay. Uh, not related to SLA, though. They want to know how to help a foreign language teacher to teach better. <laughs> Just so you know, I have been teaching them since kindergarten in an exploratory setting. They're about to go to middle school where they will have a new teacher. Therefore, they are thinking it's going to be hard to have a great Spanish teacher like me, the uh, teacher. The so, person who wrote yep, that. Yep, exactly. I see. Oh, okay. Aww. So how are you going to answer that question? Oh, gosh. How can you help someone be a better language teacher? Well, fourth graders, be sure to tell them to listen to T with BVP. Oh, yeah, there you go. So I be like sure it. to tell your new Spanish teacher... Yeah, hey, have you listened to Tea with BVP? Listen to this show. We're full of ideas. Yeah. And go to Salamanca in 2018 and attend lots of sessions. That'll be interesting, too. Yeah. You get lots of ideas there. There's going to be lots of things. We're gonna, it's going to be a record-breaking convention or a meeting this next summer. So we have to see lots and lots and lots of people there. And again, I'm, I'm the president, so I get, to, I get to stand in front of everybody and talk. That'll be fun. Okay, got any more questions coming in? What's what are we doing here? I'm I just like, want to say we've lost we've lost we've lost our Trello. Those of you who don't know what Trello is, it's a screen in front of me that goes up that um, has stuff coming in, what's going out, and it changes, and I, that's how I know what name is on the phone and that kind of stuff. And it's kind of gone, um, and so we're winging it here as, as we go through. So I'm turning to Walter to see if we have a question. Walter. I've got questions, lots of them today. Only one, only one, because but we got to do the drawing here. I know. Yeah, we got no, like I'm just going to give one. a short one. But here it is. Ready. If a program is based on comprehensible input, would it be a good idea to place students in levels according to their reading and listening comprehension rather than, for example, an OPI or writing assessment? And this is from Edie. And I don't know where Edie is from because it doesn't say. But Edie is asking this question. I, I guess it would. Placement's so funny because you can place for all different kinds of reasons. Um, but um, in, if, you're, if you're a fully input-based program, um, where the goals are comprehension and you're not measuring output or productive ability with communication, then that makes sense to test in a place by comprehension. But if, but if you are measuring to see, if you're measuring productive ability to see what comprehensive input is doing for that and that's your outcome, then you've got to measure that or both and then find some middle ground. But, but if, if you're not measuring that as part of the assessment for your students, then yes, comprehension is the way to go for your assessment, I think. I mean, for your placement. Well, all right. There you well, go. there you have it, Edie. Thanks, Edie. That was a good question. All right. Time for us to do our raffle. It is 554, 57, 58, 59, 355. Here we all go. All right. Here we go. Walter is pulling a name out of the hat. Walter, don't cheat. Make sure your I'm eyes are closed. Cheating. I want to read the name this time. You okay, always read you read the, the name. name. I want to read the name. Okay, then we, we have, have to open it up, open it up the other side. There we we have a winner, and guess who the winner is? Ooh, who is the I have winner? No idea. The winner is Mr. Dungeons and Dragons ah, himself, yay, my awesome. own personal stalker, <laughs> oh, Jason from Texas. Yay! Longinus. Oh, Longinus yes. Congrats, Jason. Congrats, Jason. We'll be sending a book to you in the mail tomorrow. So good for Jason. Sorry, Anne. Sorry, Mandy. Sorry, who else called in today? All those people, but. But some of you are winning Rachel. prizes anyway. We're sending you prizes anyway. So, um, But Jason's the one who gets a book today. So that's good. 
All right. Um, we got a few minutes left before we close, so I need a question or I need a topic. I could I could talk I've about I've got a something. golden question. <laughs> oh, wait, not really, but I've got questions. Okay. Edie sent a whole list, so well, now I've I'll just, take another question I'll just from Edie. Keep asking some um, some questions from Edie. Are you ready? Yeah. Can you explain what interacting with the input means? Yes, interacting with the input means that through what you do, whether it's verbal or nonverbal, you signal um, comprehension. So um, interacting with input means if Walter say something to me. Hello. Oh, gee, oh my how, goodness. See how it always what does you, that to What me. are you going to have for dinner tonight? Thank you, Angelica. I'm going to stop using him. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. Try it again. <laughs> what are you going to have for dinner tonight? Uh, something light because I'm sick. Okay, see, Angelica just heard that thing from me, so she knows I understood her because I gave her a response. That's one kind of interacting with the input. Now ask me the same question again. What are you going to have for dinner tonight? Huh? That's another interaction with the input. I didn't hear it or I didn't understand it. I'm still interacting with the input because I'm giving her a signal about what I understood and I didn't understand. Now ask me again. What are you going to have for dinner tonight? Dinner? Now there's a different... So all those things are interacting with the input because I'm channeling to Angelica, who's providing me input, um, with what I've comprehended, what I understood, and so on. So that's all that interacting with the input means. Um, again, and I could have just, I, you, I can't do this on the air because you can't send me, but I'll do it with Angelica and then she can tell you what I'm doing. What are you going to have for dinner tonight? Oh, he's looking at me like, what the hell? What are you talking about? Like scrunching up his face? Yeah, it's like, so I'm giving her, I'm giving her a facial gesture or body language information, whatever you want to call it, to signal my comprehension or something. And so that's also interacting with the input. So there are all kinds of ways to interact with input. Uh, it means that, again, interacting with in- input means in the classroom that we're talking with students, not at them. That means when we talk with, with students, we expect students to indicate in some way or another that they're part of what we're doing. They're Great. part of the develop the structure of the discourse. So there we go. I'm so glad we had this time. Can I just add something to that? Together, I think too then. But yeah, but Walter, look what time it is. I know what time it is. I'm just gonna add one quick thing. <laughs> if that's you know, if 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 I were responding like Bill saying, I don't know what you're saying, then I as Angelica, the teacher, might say something like, Oh, are you going to have a hamburger for dinner tonight? No. Are you going you know, just so they kind of get more of an idea what that question is means. And right, but the question wasn't the about the teacher, is, the question was about no, the No, right, student. but I mean, and then the students interacting with the input again with like a yes or no question, so that gives a bit more. See, it just, you put a cord on him and it's like, okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, so <laughs> we're going to go to our acknowledgements now, Walter. Do you mind? I'm going to go to our acknowledgements. Okay, so we begin by thanking our technical producer, the wonderful Daniel Trego, our media producer, Luca Giappone, our talented call hander, and our muscle man, Dustin DeFelice. <laughs> and, of course, our assistant production managers, the able duo, Chad and Ryan, back there behind the screen, or the glass. We thank the College of Arts and Letters at MSU, especially our dean, Christopher Long. And as a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed in this program do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Letters or any of our sponsors or any other official entity of Michigan State University. And, of course, we thank all of our listeners out there, especially the people who called in today. Yay! Okay, next week we're on the road, so we have a specially pre-recorded show for you next Thursday. So we'll be on there next week, but it'll be pre-recorded. Um, so stay tuned for that. Until then, have a great weekend. Don't get sick like me. And have a 
happy, happy second language acquisition. Smile, Walker. <laughs> smiling, Galka. <laughs> We're smiling. We're smiling. We're smiling. Just smiling. Schönes Wochenende. Auf Wiederhören. Auf Wiederhören. <laughs>